right, good morning, church. Merry Christmas. I just, I was telling the worship team, I've just been so, I know as a family we've been doing Advent, um, and just, I have high expectations this year for this season and what God wants to do and how God wants to move, mostly in our families. You know, I know there's a lot of things we talk about God moving in the city and God doing certain things, but I just have this sense during this Advent season that God is doing something new in our families, something good in our families. And as we gather together as families over this Christmas season, that there'll be such a peace and a joy that comes over our families like we've never felt before. How many received that today? Amen. Lord, stand with me this morning. Welcome you all here today. Glad to see everybody. I'm going to do a call to worship today out of uh, part of the Christmas story here. This one's out of Matthew 2. It says this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Church, when they saw the star, when they knew what was happening, what was taking place, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Church, this morning, can we rejoice with exceedingly great joy knowing what occurred and what happened and what is still real today, 2,000 years later? Verse 11, and when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. The moment they saw Jesus, the moment... All they could do was fall down and worship him. And I pray this morning that we have a revelation of Jesus, who he is, his goodness and his faithfulness. And when we see that and the Lord reveals that to us, we can do nothing but fall down and worship him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So whatever you brought today, you brought your praise you brought your worship, you brought your voice, you brought your hands, you brought your body. Can we use it as a sacrifice of praise today to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we worship you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We, Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for coming. Father, we honor you. We glorify you today. We bring our sacrifice of praise. Lord, your word says when two or more gathered, you're in our presence. So you are in our midst right now, Father. As I'm speaking, you're in our midst. And we can do nothing but rejoice with exceeding joy. And Father, when we see you for who you are, Lord, we can do nothing but fall down and worship you. So Lord, we worship you today. We love you today. We praise you today. And we glorify you today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. We're going to do something a little different today because the Holy Spirit just moved on my heart this morning as I was waking up this morning as I was getting ready. So I'm just going to ask you all to have a seat for a minute. I want to talk to you about something this morning, um, and I want to do it 
before communion because communion is a time where we come to the the table, the body, and the blood of the Lord Jesus. And we just sang, you know, he has come for us, this Jesus. And when I sing that, I get emotional. Well, surprise, right? He has come for me, this Jesus. He has come for you, this Jesus. And what he came to do is just something so extraordinary, so pure, so big. The salvation of the world. The defeat of sin and death and destruction. And the lives of all those whosoever would believe in him. Believe in him, the one, the one who came for us. Who is this Jesus? Who is he? The word says God is love. He is love. He is the word made flesh. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about something. Before I get into it, I'm going to give instructions for receiving the, the elements so that at the end I can, just, I can just dismiss you to do that and don't have to give those instructions. Um, when you come up to get the elements, you come straight down to the tables and then circle back to your seats. We're not like the chosen, you know, the beginning of the, the chosen video where the fish is swimming upstream. So we circle round back because we don't want to swim back upstream. Uh, the communion elements are stacked. There's two cups stacked together. The, the crackers on the bottom and your juice is on top. So you're just picking up one thing. And the gluten-free is on the table or the, sorry, the little plate in the, in the center there. I say it every week. Church family, I know you know, but praise God, sometimes we have people come who are visiting with us. And so I say it every week. I want to talk to you this morning before we take communion because what I have to talk to you about is the condition of your heart. It's a heart thing. So it's something that's difficult to talk about because it's, it's, it's on the inside. The word says that God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And this is in the word where Samuel is, is looking for the next king of England, or England, gosh, I'm watching the crown. I'm so sorry, the next king of England. I did. I'm watching the crown. Okay. Um, it's not a plug for the crown. Uh, <laughs> Samuel is looking for the next king of Israel. And he has Jesse's sons lined up. And they're, they're big. And they're, they're good looking. And he's like, it, it's got to be this one. And it's got to be this one. And it's got to be this one. And God said, don't be deceived by the outward appearance. Because man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. Um, I saw something this morning, and it grieved me. Gosh, it grieved me. It grieved me so much. And I'm telling you this now, it grieved my heart because it grieves the heart of the Father. I've had so many conversations with him about, God, why do I have to be so emotional all the time? Why can't I be just more solid and steady? It's hard. It's hard to be this person. And he has spoken to me so clearly and said, you speak of my heart. And his heart is full of emotion because we are made in his image. It grieved him this morning. What I saw, <clears throat> what I'm going to address this morning, is I saw this meme, this home alone meme. Um, eight-year-old Kevin McAllister was left home alone for three days and he still made it to church. Yay, Kevin. I'm going to put those on. So, yes, you can make it to church this Sunday. 
<clears throat> the person who posted it says, friend who will never see this, so I would never do this if it was someone I knew or someone who even lived near here. <clears throat> Friendly reminder, since Christmas Day is on a Sunday this year, the most important thing and the whole reason to celebrate Christmas is because of Jesus' birth. True. Just so true. I'll read it again because it's true. The most important thing and the whole reason to celebrate Christmas is because of Jesus' birth. Now we're going to come to a sentence that is not true. If you are a believer and can't find the time to spend Christmas morning at church, you are not, all caps, not celebrating for the right reasons. I said what I said. This person said what they said. I love this person. I know this person has such a heart for her church. She's a church leader, not a local church leader. So don't try to figure out who it is. Um, there's not a single person in here who knows this person, except for one. She said what she said, and what she said and how she said it grieves the heart of God. If you can't find the time to make it to church this Christmas morning because it's on a Sunday, then you're not celebrating for the right reasons. Who are we to judge the heart of a brother and a sister? Do we not worship in spirit and in truth? Sunday morning church, church is a tradition of men. It's a tradition of man. And we do it because it's good. We do it because it's our tradition. But we will not elevate it and make it the thing. We will not make it the law to bring condemnation. We walk in freedom. Now, I said to Jason, this is going to seem like I'm trying to defend us. I'm not. I have so much peace about our decision regarding Christmas service. And I know why I have peace. But you're my people. You're the church that God has put under, under our leadership, the elders of this church. And when I read this, my heart was grieved. And I was just like, Lord, what do I do? And I saw immediately what I would do with my, my children. I have seven daughters. And I pastor them. I pastor the heck out of them. (laughs) And when something like this, something that is so sneaky, tries to get in and tries to take hold of their hearts, I sit them down and I talk to them and I lay it out for them because it's important. It's a little weed that will grow and it will defile the pure and, and the pure love, grace, and truth that he came and died for. It will defile it. Self-righteousness. This savors of self-righteousness. It reeks of self-righteousness. And she doesn't know, or she wouldn't do it. So I'm not sitting in judgment over her. I I love her. But I've got to tell you, Do not sit in judgment over your brother and your sister and think for one minute that you know the heart of a person based on whether or not they come to church when you think they should. I say this because this is a church of grace, ridiculous grace, abundant grace, truth and love because Jesus came to bring grace and truth and love. In Luke chapter 18, I love this. In uh, verse 9 through 14, it says, One sec. This 
little dance is new to me. Just saying. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. And I go to church even on Christmas Day. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's not by works, church, that we're saved. It's by grace. Why? So that no one can boast. Only God is the righteous judge of the hearts of men. He looks at the heart. I'll tell you that the leadership of this church, we started talking about Christmas last year at Christmas. We sat down with our kids. We said, guys, what do you think about this? What do we do? We discussed it, and then we let it set, and we began to pray on it. And we came up with every idea under the sun. Maybe we'll have Christmas on Saturday, and we'll go in early, and we'll prepare a big breakfast with bacon and pancakes, and it'll be great fun. I was on the table for a while because I am in, from fun country, and I love big ideas. Um, we came up with all these great ideas, but you can sit confidently knowing, you can sit under the authority of this church knowing that we don't do our ideas. We don't put them out there and then do them, ever, for the most part. We put them out there and we pray on them and we say, God, what do we do? And I'll tell you, I can stand up here. I know I could have talked to Jason and said, Jason, honey, will you address this a bit today? And he would have said, yeah, absolutely, babe, that's good, I'll address that. I know why the Lord wanted me up here to do it because part of my processing of what to do this Christmas was, well, heck, if we're going to have a church that closes its doors on Christmas Day, if any day of the year, we should, we should be having service on Christmas Day. And there it was. And the Holy Spirit in me said, Liz, did you hear that? And I heard it. I heard the puffing up of my chest. I heard what... Well, I'd rather be a church that people say this about, not going to go the easy way, the worldly way. It was just, it was just this bit of, it was just a bit of ugliness. And I heard it. Thank you, Jesus. He gets all the glory because my prayer is God, open my ears and open my eyes and let me hear it and let me see it. Because it's, it's, we're talking about, we're talking about um, taking authority over demons that's what the church has been talking about. It's the first time we've ever discussed it. It's been powerful. It's about standing in our authority. Well, self-righteousness and judgment, it just comes right alongside the right, like right, true righteousness. It's a counterfeit, and it's so sneaky. And we all, there's not a single believer here who can raise their hand and say that they haven't been corrected in this area. Not a single honest person can say that they haven't walked in this and the Lord hasn't had to tap them on the shoulder and been like, ew, that's, that's not pretty on you. Because it's not the language of heaven. It's not the language of Jesus. So the Lord corrected me on it, and I, and I just let it go. And what, what happened in that moment, I was like, Lord, if you want us to have church, we'll have church. And if, if we don't, we don't. 
and whatever it is, it is. And that was, months went by, and we began to pray on it. What I love is that New Beginnings Church is having church on Christmas Day. But you know what they don't have? Church on Christmas Eve. You know what we're having? Church on Christmas Eve. So you know what they're doing? They're telling their people, hey, if you want church on Christmas Eve, head on over to Pastors Jason and Liz at ECF. We love them. We're one church. Go have church with the body of Christ. What we're telling y'all is y'all want to get up early and go to church. Well, it's at 10 a.m. On Christmas Day, go to New Beginnings. We love them. Pastors Matt and Jen, we love them. Go to church on Christmas Day and honor God in spirit and in truth. A tradition honors God, but only if it's in spirit and in truth. If we, if we participate in traditions, whether it's communion or showing up at church every Sunday or every Wednesday night, or every, if, we, if we participate in a tradition that has the appearance of honoring God, but there is judgment and self-righteousness in our hearts, we are not honoring God. We just appear to be. And that's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Because our works will be revealed for what they are. So church, I come up here and I say all this to you in love because I care about you. I care about your heart. I say it before communion because I'm going to dismiss you to come up and get the elements in a sec. And this is the perfect time just to pray. Say, God, purify my heart. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me from all self-righteousness. And God, open my eyes. Open my eyes to discern lie from truth and to do it quick. To do it quick, quickly. Can we be a people that points people to Jesus in all the truth, grace, and freedom that he died to bring? Can we minister truth, grace, and freedom in our words to others, in our actions, and most importantly, in the attitudes of our heart? Can we be a people who discerns between traditions of men, which honor God, only if the heart and the intent are pure and worthy? Church, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm celebrating Christmas this year. And I told you, I pastor the heck out of my kids. I'm going to honor the heck out of God, out of Jesus, which guess what? It doesn't happen on Sunday mornings only, not in our house. It happens every day. We're doing Advent with our kids. Well, that's just, that's a, that's a tradition. You know, we do, the, we do the devotions. Sometimes we sing a song. It's a tradition in our house. And the minute it becomes a dead work, I will throw it out. I will throw it out and we'll find a new way that is true, that flows out of our heart. Where are we at, God? You know, if, if one year <laughs> we're struggling, God, we're struggling. We're struggling, God, help us, show us. Well, we're honoring God right there, just in the honesty and the crying out of our hearts. Honor, honor Jesus this Christmas in your homes and in your hearts. First, in your homes and in your hearts. And then gather together with other believers, whether it's on Sunday morning, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, and honor God with the intent and the, the love in your heart as you stand with other believers in worship. Can we do that, church? Can we be that people? Okay. I'm going to release you now. You can walk on up and receive the elements. And um, we're just going to take a moment to just pray on it, to reflect on it. Um, and then Pastor Jason will come up and we'll partake of the elements together.
What a good word from the Lord this morning. The Bible says in Psalm 51, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. What a great verse coming off of what we just heard. Let's just take a moment and reflect on that. That our hearts would be set correctly for this Advent season, for this Christmas season. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Father, we just come before you this morning. Father, we ask, Lord, that you do what only you can do. Your body broken, your blood shed, Jesus, for us. That's what creates the clean heart is what you've done for us. So we celebrate that this morning in this partaking of communion together. Your body broken, your blood shed to create in us a clean heart. And Lord, may we understand the joy of your salvation in your precious name. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When given thanks, he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship you. We glorify you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We give you all the honor and the praise today. In your precious name. Stand with me as we continue to worship this morning. The altars are open. When I went to Christian school, once a week we had chapel and our class would have to stand up and say a verse. I always said the same verse. First John 4, no, no that's not right. Hold on. It's not First John 4, 9. Or is it? Oh my gosh, I forgot it. Um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Someone tell me where it is. First John 1, 9. Thank you. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning, I, as we were worshiping, I love that we take communion. Because sometimes I ask, why do we take communion every week? Because if there's not... 
if there's not a strong reason for something, then we don't do it because we don't have time to waste. Mm-hmm. We take communion every week because it cleanses us. Yeah. Something is happening. We're not just drinking juice and eating a cracker. It's a sacrament, meaning something supernatural is happening there. And we take as a body, as one, as one, we stand and we, we take a step in, into Christ where there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, forgiveness of sins. So any condemnation that we walked in with has to go. And we partake of the broken, the bread, the broken body of Christ for the healing of our bodies. Right now I just do this because boy, has that been hurting a lot. Couldn't make a claw all night. I've been, I learned that I scratch a lot with my left hand and it hurt all night. It doesn't hurt now. I'm just saying, I I mean, I just thought of that. It's not like I prayed about it. But when I partake of the broken body of Christ, it is healing. It is healing. It's healing my body. And we do it every week. And then we go into worship in unity. We may not all have come in in unity, but when we partake of that communion and when we do it in truth, when it's not just out of habit, if it's just out of habit, then skip it. Don't do it. Because you're doing, it's, it's, it's for nothing. But when we come and we partake of communion, when we press in, when we say, correct us, oh God, cleanse us, oh God, and we do that as one, then we go into that worship. Do you feel heaven open? It's always in the last song, man, because we come in unity. And it's magnificent. Jesus is magnificent. His way is the way. And it lacks nothing. So I'm thankful this morning. I'm thankful for this community of believers. I'm thankful um, to step into Christ and to partake of communion together this morning and to worship him. I just want to close worship here with a reading out of Psalm 27. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked one came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So, Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you that we can just rest in your presence, be cleansed in your presence, grow in your presence. Thank you for speaking with us, being with us, Lord. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go into a time where we can greet one another. Um, If you have a child ages four, five, and six, you can take them to the Littles classroom where Miss Lila is the teacher today. Um, Nursery is open and staffed uh, ages zero to three. And then we also have the family room. If as a family, if your child is struggling during the sermon um, and they just need a space to play, you can take them there and you hang with them, um, but you can hear the service. Uh, ECF kids, I don't see any guest kids today. So ECF kids, you know the drill. Your sermon bags are over there. 
um, sermon notes and some books and stuff. Uh, tithes and offerings. The buckets will be up here during the break. Uh, bring your tithes and offerings joyfully to the Lord because he loves a cheerful giver. So if you're grumpy, wait till next week <laughs> and then work it out. Hey, listen, there's grace to work stuff out. I wasn't always a generous giver. I married a generous giver who gives without fear of the future. I had to, I had to grow there because that's not where I came from. There's no condemnation in that in growing. Look where I used to be and look where I've come. There's no condemnation. So if you're feeling grumpy about giving this morning, I'm not afraid. Wait till next week and work it out and ask the Lord to to work on you. Um, There's glory in growing. That's what there is in growth. So let's not be afraid of it. Anyway, tithes and offerings. Um, If this is your first time or if you have a prayer prayer request, praise report or testimony, the connection card is in the seat back in front of you. Um, you can let us know that this is your first time. We'll send you a welcome email. We won't call, show up, or, you know, send you a fruit basket or anything like that. We'll just send you an email, connect you into the church a little bit, um, and that's it. Let's love on one another, and we'll come back together in about five minutes. All right, church. Good morning. <laughs> I have three announcements here on my little paper, and um, I've already done two of them just in the way of, of talking with you guys. The first one is Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve service is um, here at 5900 Staratini Road. Um, it is at 4 p.m. this year because it's Saturday. So we are able to do it earlier. We're still going to do our candle lighting and our singing of Silent Night. These are our traditions that we do in order to honor God. Um, we are not having cookies, but after service, we will have cocoa and coffee out in the lobby, and we're going to have um, popcorn, like, tied up so you can take it. Your kids can take it. I did this because I didn't want my kids eating cookies before dinner because of the 4 p.m. time. You see, we think all these things through, right? So they're going to be able to take their popcorn and take it home with them. Um, or if you, you want your popcorn, you pop it open right out there in the lobby and munch away. So that's what we're doing on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve service is just so special. Our kids love it. We love it. Um, it's just special. It feels like family. So don't miss that. Um, Christmas service on the 25th on Sunday is at New Beginnings Church. It starts at 10 a.m. If you've never been to New Beginnings, there is the address. Um, it's on Westridge Road in Fairview. Um, and it's set back a little bit. Uh, but it's Pastor Matt and Jen Friend. They also have eight children. Crazy, right? They're the only other people I know in the area that have eight children. Their children are older, and they have a mix of boys and girls. I think five girls, three boys. But anyway, um, they are very dear friends um, of ours. So Christmas service, New Beginnings Church, 10 a.m. And then my last announcement is for Joshua Revolution. Uh, Joshua Revolution is multi-church. It is... um, It's a big deal. I believe they did it last year. Uh, For more information, you can go to joshuarevolution.org. December 27th through 30th, it is at the Bayfront uh, Convention Center. And um, it's free. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. It's free. So check check it out. Um, If you're able to go, go and be blessed and be a part of something. And that's all, Pastor Jason. We're going to continue to worship the Lord uh, with our give, joyful giving. Yeah, we already talked about that with our joyful giving. Uh, <clears throat> I have a uh, scripture here that I want to, to read. 
And it says this, it's out of Acts 20, starting in verse 35, or actually 35, it says this, I have shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus spoke those words, more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I know that's true in my own life. Uh, I know Liz had mentioned that, you know, I just, something comes more naturally to me, maybe to others. But man, I love to give. I love to give. I mean, not just money. I just, I mean, well, I do, when I go downtown with cash, I come back with no cash. And I know that's probably not what's supposed to happen or what you're not supposed to do, whatever. But I'm led by the Spirit and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, show me who I can minister today and bless. But Anyway, to me, and I, I know this to be true, is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver this morning. I thank you, Lord, that we can joyfully come to you with our tithes and our offerings because they're all yours anyway, Lord. And we're so grateful that you're in our life. We're so grateful that you minister to us, Father God, and you allow us to be able to minister to others through finances, through our words, through our actions, Father. And we just thank you, Lord, for your word, and we stand on it today. Lord, as we open the word and, <clears throat> and look at it today, Lord, that you would open our eyes and open our ears, Father God, to hear what you have for us this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians 6. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. Now, I'm going to get there in just a few minutes. Uh, Pastor Andy's going to give a quick testimony here in a minute regarding this. And as we had mentioned earlier, if you've been coming for the past couple weeks, uh, you know we've been talking about the believer's authority. And in particular, the past couple weeks, we've been talking about demons and what they are, how they operate, what to do about them. And last week, we pretty much, I guess in my view, had a deliverance service in a lot of ways where we just started naming and believing and casting out all the demons of all the different spirits, whether it be religious spirits, all this, all the stuff we casted out in the name of Jesus. And I read a list and it went on and on and on. Some people actually asked me for the list because in, you know, this is something like, not, you don't have to do it every day, but in my own life, my own mind, I said, Lord, What's going on? If I feel that pressure coming in from the enemy, I'm going to take a stand in the name of Jesus and start praying against those things that are trying to come against me and my family. <clears throat> and so we did that last week. And this week, I really want to focus on something, you know, that I think we all have to remember is, what do we do after that? What do we do after we cast the demon out? How do, because the Bible talks about, right? When the demons flee, they, they're looking for somewhere to go. Are they not? That's what the Bible says. Those demons, as they flee, they're looking for somewhere to go, to rest on, to rest in, to go after. And I want to talk about how do we resist the devil? And how, once we clean the house, how do we keep the house clean? How many, how many uh, people out there who live in a home wish that you would be able to clean the house once? And it would remain cleaned all the time, right? Or even for five minutes, depending on the number of children, dogs, pets. You know, if you open the window and let some air blow in, whatever it is, right? It always feels like you turn around, like it's dusty again. What the heck's going on, right? So, but in, in the spiritual realm, there's something we have to go do once we clean house. 
that we need to begin to assess. We have to actively resist the devil. Because it it's, it's not like, ah, oh, well, you did it once, so I guess I'm not going to try again. That dude's persistent, if, if anything, right? And he's the father of lies, and he's tricky, and he's not stupid. He's pretty smart. He's got plans and purposes that come against you and against the plans and the callings of God on your life. And so we need to be aware of that. We need to rebuke it. We need to cast it out. But then what? Then what do we do? How do I then re basically put that fortress up around this house, around my house, and say, how am I going to resist the devil and keep any infiltration from happening in my life? Amen? So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, Pastor Andy, you want to, I want to uh, have him give a testimony here of something that happened in his life in regards to this. Yeah, you can come up. I'm just oh. going to grab a water. Oh, okay. Um, it's actually when I was a little boy, um, you know, I don't think a lot of us experience demonic activity and things in general like we see in the Bible, right? But um, we know it's true, and we've been talking about it. And um, so when I was very young, uh, me and my brother, uh, we lived in New Jersey with my parents, and I was probably like three, three-ish years old. And um, we lived over an auto body shop in an apartment uh, in New Jersey. And weird things were happening, and Chuck, I clarified it with Dad. Um, what happened was the, the, the place, the electrical box, actually started to catch on fire and smoking everywhere, and my mom got us out of the apartment uh, very quickly. She actually f took my brother down the stairs and fell and landed on him and thought she crushed him, but she did not, praise the Lord. The Lord was merciful um, in that. But then um, there were other things that would happen where my mom would experience just utter terror in the house to the point where if she was taking a shower, she'd be afraid to close her eyes, and if she closed her eyes while she was washing her face, she was afraid to open them. And it was just so intense all the time. And so um, she had my grandmother come over, who's still alive, uh, and she anointed the place with oil and cast the devil out of that place. And um, from then on, there was peace. Mm. And when my mom and my dad, they talked to the owner of the auto body shop who rented the apartment, he said that a witch used to live up mm. there. And she had a bunch of, of her occult and satanic witchcraft books up in the attic of the apartment. And when she moved out, uh, he got rid of all of them and, like, just destroyed them. But the spirit of, that was there remained in that home and was bringing just terror upon um, my mom and just fear and then causing, you know, other weird things to happen in the, in the apartment. So the name of Jesus, the power of, the, of his name and anointing with oil um, brought peace to that apartment and So while we lived there anyway. So praise the Lord. Amen. Powerful. Thank you. That's good. So the, the key verse we have here for the believer to start is out of Mark 16. I know you're in Ephesians 6, so just stay there. I have this up on the screen. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, which is why we've been sitting here for the past couple of weeks talking about this. I'm probably going to end that this week. Uh, and they will speak with new tongues. So I'm going to start that in the beginning of the year. Uh, we're going to talk about what does that mean to speak in new tongues. Uh, then it goes on to verse 18. says, they will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. We're going to talk about that then in early January. Then they will lay hands on the sick, 
and they will recover. And so what is a believer? A believer is anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief. So those who are believers, it is a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something. And as you guys know, at ECF, we believe in the truth. And the truth, we know, is sets us free. And so the truth is important. And so anyone who holds a strong, unwavering belief in the truth of something is a believer. So then what is this authority? If we have a believer's authority, is this. It's a delegated power, the right to command and enforce obedience. So this believer's authority, those who believe that Jesus is who he says he is, did what he said he would do, and he is alive and well today, and we just have our faith and our trust in him. This authority that he delegated to us, which is a right to command and to enforce obedience. And we looked at that verse in Luke. We'll get to that in a little bit later here. But what enforce obedience over what? Over my spouse? <laughs> and all the ladies laughed. <laughs> I don't know why the ladies are laughing. The guys should be laughing too, right? No, not to enforce. How about trying to enforce obedience over our kids? Yeah, good luck with that. Trying to like actually make them swallow a green bean, okay? You know, or asparagus. Like, good luck with that, right? You, I mean, you could do all the the neck things like this and put the water back and say, slip your head back like this. You're gonna sit there for the rest of the night until you swallow that green bean that's in your mouth. They'll sit there the rest of the night, and they'll make your life miserable. In the meantime, they will fuss, they will cry, they will whine, they'll complain, like all this stuff, right? So we understand. We can't force obedience really on anything except for what the Bible tells us we can, which is over all the power of the enemy. We can enforce God's authority over all the power of the enemy. That's why it's so exciting, this Believer's Authority uh, series that we're doing, why I believe that God is moving and doing it uh, all across uh, his church right now. So let me give you a quick update on my... Nope. Man, I just almost, I almost finished that sentence. Those who are with me who have been in this series, <clears throat> in the beginning of the series, I called it My Sleep Apnea. <clears throat> and I realized that my sleep apnea wasn't getting any better. Part of the reason was I was claiming it as my sleep apnea. So I've reversed that. I no longer say my sleep... See how I caught myself before I said it? Yeah. I caught, and you all, were, you all were helping me there too, right? But the sleep apnea challenge that I had, has I have overcome it because of Jesus Christ, amen? The Lord has just given me insight and wisdom into it. I, I think I told you last week, I told you all to go home and anoint the house with oil and to just cast all the devils out and demons out of your house. And then Liz asked me, I was like, well, did you do that in our house? I was just like, well, I did it when we first moved in. And, and she was like, well, how about we do it again? And that's true. I mean, it doesn't, just because you, you anoint your house with oil once doesn't mean you never have to do it again. Go ahead and anoint, because you don't know what has transpired, who has come in, who has come out, what has come in, what has come out. And so I just encourage you, and God is really, by the grace of the Lord, I've been able to sleep <sighs> in peace without losing my breath at all, without any drugs, without any anti-acid things, without any of it, by the grace of God. And he led me in that journey, and it wasn't, I didn't in the name of Jesus sit, and it just automatically was fixed. 
He led me on a journey of different things. I said, okay, if it's this, we're going to cast this out. But if it's this, Holy Spirit, show me, lead me, and guide me. And he did because he loves us and he cares for us. <clears throat> he loves us so much. And so we had a, we had a fun time on Friday night, uh, Leadership Christian Academy, which is the school uh, that is at uh, this church as well. We've got 115 kids, and we launched a middle school basketball team this year. And my son is on it, and Hunter's on it, and uh, it's just, it's really exciting to go to the games. <clears throat> and uh, we're a new team, and we're growing, meaning there are experienced teams, and they're, they're better than us at the moment. And so we're growing as a team, and so we're at this game on Friday night. And this is just fun to talk about because we were getting, we were, we were losing by quite a big score and we were really having trouble scoring any points. And so the LCA cheering team, which were the parents and stuff and those people from our church, we started saying, well, what if we took the, in the name of Jesus, what if we started using some believer's authority here and start saying, in the name of Jesus, we are believing in faith that LCA, we're going to start scoring some points and we're going to, and and it was funny because we're just like, wait a second, is that in the Bible? Which was fun. So we were having fun with it. So we did in the name of Jesus. We did score some points. And we broke some things that were going on, you know, in the name of Jesus. There were some spiritual things going on, some, some timidity in the, in the players. We, actually, I feel like we actually saw that break in the second half. We didn't specifically pray for that. But in general, like, we started asking ourselves, like, okay, we can't just in the name of Jesus, my team. So if you wanted the U.S. to win the World Cup, you couldn't in the name of Jesus it because that's not what was going to happen, okay? The USA is out of the World Cup, right? So you can't in the name of Jesus anything. But what you can do, again, is we can use that power of the name of Jesus against all the power of the enemy. All of it. And he gives us that. So Ephesians 6. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out of 1 James uh, chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm going to read out of James chapter 4 here, because how many of you guys, you were here last week, our goal was to ruin Satan's day. Our goal was to ruin Satan's day. You know, sometimes it's hard. We get up and our goal is just to get through the day, maybe just to brush our teeth, maybe just to even like, you know, make it to work, or you know what I mean, you parent the kids, you know, or even just like sleep for 30 minutes. Like sometimes we have that, but I, I just woke up the sense of, you know what? Our goal here is to ruin Satan's day. Why? Because we know that Jesus destroyed Satan's work. And we know that we're in the final hour of the church. We don't know exactly when Jesus is coming back, but we know that Satan is our enemy. He's God's enemy, and we want to be able to maintain victory in the name of Jesus. So how do we, main, how do we maintain this victory? We resist the devil. So James 4, I know you're in Ephesians, we'll get there, but it says this. But he gives, James 4, starting in verse 6, he gives more grace. How many have, let's say that together. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, yikes, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7 says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And so I read that. I was just like, man, that's a lot of good words, but like, how do I do that? Like, how do I actually do what the Bible is telling us to do? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, it's the armor of God. This is how you resist the devil. It's the armor of God. It's like, well, we've preached on the armor of God. Everyone knows the armor of God. Not everybody. But you know, you know, you got the helmet of salvation, you got the belt. You have all these things. And the Lord spoke to me and said, read Ephesians 6 again. And so that's what we're going to do. Ephesians 6, you're already there, starting in verse 10. Because I believe that this armor of God, I want to put it in terms that we can wrap our heads and our hands around in practical day-to-day life, okay? Because most of you aren't actually putting the belt of truth on. You're not walking around with an actual shield and a sword. You didn't put on, you know, your helmet that day, right? So what does that actually mean and how do we actually do it? Starting in verse 10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. It's important. It's the whole armor. Many of us get up and we just start fighting with a sword. And we start using our words and the Bible and we're, we're constantly doing this, but we have ourselves exposed because we didn't put the breastplate of righteousness on. We didn't pick up the shield of faith. We're not walking in any kind of peace because we never put those shoes on. We're just constantly using our words and we're fighting some battle and we're completely exposed. It says put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the lies, the deceits of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So our battle is not against each other. It's against the devil and his kingdom. This is who we're fighting. So we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand, stand therefore. So it's interesting that he uses, Paul says, the whole armor of God, he says it twice. How many times know when you're talking to your kids, most of the time you have to say it twice. Why do I have to keep repeating myself, right? How many of your parents say that? Like, I've told you over and over and over to go up and take a shower. Why are you still sitting here, right? Sometimes, as human beings, we need to be reminded and we need to be told. And so Paul is like, hey, put on that whole armor, And then I'm going to go a few verses and I'm going to say it again. Put on the whole armor. Like, don't miss any of it. Don't miss any piece of it on a daily basis because this is the way we resist the devil and defeat his schemes. We cast him out in the name of Jesus, but we have to put on this armor to protect this house. Stand there for having guarded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the first one I have this morning is this belt of truth. What does this mean in a practical way? It means renewing our mind with the word of God. What is truth? (laughs) This is truth. 
This is, to, this is what we put, well, how do I put it, I mean, how do I put this thing on? Well, if you're going to renew your mind, you have to read the word of God. It has to continue to be a part of your life and begin to quote it and speak it. And, well, I don't know the exact verse exactly the way it is or where it is. That doesn't stop me. God knows your heart. You know how many different translations of the Bible there are? And a lot of times in the house there's an Ackerman translation of the Bible, right? Because you start quoting a scripture and you forgot the thee, thus, though, or thou. But in general, in the spirit of the verse that you're saying, you're getting it right. And that's okay. I would rather have you speak the truth of the word than not say it at all because you haven't got the exact verse memorized specifically where it is. You know, well, there's that verse something about you know, taking a stand against the devil and he'll flee from me, but I don't remember where it is and maybe it's in James and so I'm just not going to speak that word. No. You stand on that word. We renew our minds with the word of God. In Romans 12 it says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to the world. Truth is here. Truth is not in the world. And the only thing that the world has that has any truth in it, they took from here. It's true. They took from here. Even science, the Bible proves science. I mean, it's crazy. It's awesome. I love it. Come on, guys, right? So it says, do not be conformed, but be transformed. So if we're not going to be, how do we transform by the renewing of our minds that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So this belt of truth that we put on, we put the word of God into our hearts every single day, somehow, some way, either with the Holy Spirit reminds us, or we do a devotion, or we read the Bible in some way, or we listen to audible Bible on our way to work. However you have to do it, you must put that belt of truth on. And the reason why Paul talks about the belt of truth first in this list of things, because if you know anything about how armor went on in those days, is everything connected to the old belt of truth. Literally, like the shield would rest on it, the breastplate would connect to it, the sword, the sheet, you know, the sword was on it. Everything had, it's like this foundational, fundamental thing. We have to renew our minds on a daily basis with the truth, which is the word of God. And then also in that same verse says the breastplate of righteousness. And here's why we talked about this a little bit already this morning. What does this mean? How do I put on a breastplate of righteousness? And I believe that for us as a church, we have to know, recognize, and understand that we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That when we begin to think of, well, you know, I did that. And I shouldn't have done that. And I, you know, and I just, I'm just, I'm a terrible person because I did this thing a year ago. And we begin to bring back stuff in the past that Jesus has already paid the price for. He's cleansed us from it. And we begin to walk in this condemnation for it. The Holy Spirit is telling us, stop doing that. Stop doing that. The Holy Spirit will convict us. The Holy Spirit will not bring condemnation on us. If you begin to feel lower and weaker and worse and all this other stuff, that is the enemy coming on. You have to put that breastplate of righteousness back up and take a stand against the devil and say, I don't believe those lies. No in Jesus' name. 
He will try to remind you of every bad, wrong thing you've ever done. And just because you thought or remembered, it doesn't mean you have to park there or camp there. I'll give you a personal story. I camped there yesterday. Yeah, got silent. Ooh, what happened? Guys, I had a bad day yesterday. You can ask Liz (laughs) or the kids. And what happened to me is there was a lie that I was believing. And I realized that it was like little by little, the enemy was just bringing condemnation and condemnation and condemnation. And it was this lie that I was believing that I can't, I mean, there's, there's multiple ones, but the one I'll share with you, the lie that I was believing is that it's like I'm a robot. I can't live from my heart. I can just go through the motions and the actions. I can't really love anybody. I can't care about anybody. I have no compassion for anybody. I'm just like a robot. I just get up and do the same thing over and over every day. And I just walk around like that. And so the whole day yesterday, I mean, I literally, this is different for me. I went up to my bed 5.30 and just laid there and turned on the Army-Navy football game. I'm serious, my face was like this. Started yelling at the kids. They probably weren't even doing anything wrong. Well, maybe they were. And I just was like, man. And it's like, I just needed it. Actually, Liz helped me snap, snap me out of it. Like, she like, she like, what are you doing? She was like, what are you doing? Like, I needed some truth to be spoken to me to snap me out of it. But what happened, I realized it was like, and the Lord's ministered me this morning, like, what have you been preaching on? Like, you just actually, like, the Satan caught, he caught me in a trap. And it ruined my whole day. He stole my day. He stole my day. I allowed him to do it. And I didn't have to let that happen. But it did. And it will happen sometimes to us. But what I, have to, what I want you guys to understand is that breastplate of righteousness that we put on, understand that when the enemy is lying and whispering stuff and making you feel bad and little and awful and disgusting and you're a horrible person and all this other stuff, you have to reject that. That's not from the Holy Spirit. That's not how he talks. That's not how he ministers. He is there to convict you and lift you up. So you can do this. And so I was stuck there, but I had to get through that. I had to put that breastplate of righteousness on. Verse 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And I was just like, what does that mean? So I put shoes on. I just get to walk in peace all the time. Someone cuts me off in traffic. Like, I got my peace shoes on. I'm not going to get upset about that at all. Like, like what is this? What, when I put on these shoes of peace, what does this mean? And as I just began studying, is I, there's a, there's a, it means a lot of things. One of the things I want to share this morning is it is, talks about maintaining these godly relationships with other Christians. Maintaining God, what does that mean to maintain a godly relationship? How do I walk in peace in a godly relationship? Well, guess what? It means actually forgiving one another. And the Lord spoke very clearly to me. He's like, you remember the Lord's Prayer? Because I was talking to somebody about that this week. And it says, you know, forgive us our trespasses <laughs> as we forgive those who trespass against us. People are like, whoa. Like, that's like, a, we did a whole message on that. Like, that's like, whoa. 
You mean to me that God, this is Jesus' prayer. This is, he taught us how to pray. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. To walk in a godly relationship, to walk in peace, you have to be able to forgive. Not saying forget, but there must be this element of forgiveness in our lives. Or we go these days and these weeks and these years, I was talking to somebody this week, and you know that there's a direct correlation between, it's not always, not always this way, so don't be like, I don't believe that, okay? But there is scientific research that says those who uh, harbor deep unforgiveness and bitterness are more likely to get cancer. Like scientific research. Like, whoa. <laughs> the truth, right here, the Bible. God knows that. I mean, this is, I mean, and wh why is that? Because we're holding something in, and it's actually not even, it's, it's hurting us more than it's hurting the other person. And we're just, we walk around like, we, you know, I'm just, well, I'm going to forgive that person. I'm like, you don't have to go run into their house and, you know, go forgive them for everything they've ever done this afternoon. But let the Holy Spirit lead you in it. But in your heart, you have to say, Lord, am I harboring unforgiveness to this person in this situation? Because if you are, you can't walk around with the shoes of peace. <laughs> it like doesn't work. Because you're harboring something that is not peaceful in our heart. And so we have to maintain these godly relationships and we have to understand, we have to forgive others and confess to one another. How many know there's healing in confession to one another? The Bible clearly states that in James. It says it, hey, when we confess to one another so we can be healed. So that's what a godly relationship looks like. So the next verse is 16. So I think to me that's how we put on those shoes of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery all, let me go back and read that again, that you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This shield of faith, to me, this is taking authority over Satan on a daily basis. We build up our faith by hearing and hearing the word of God, and we understand that that's how we build up our faith, but this is the taking the authority part. This is not the sword, this is not fighting, this is saying, you know what? I'm going to take my authority in the name of Jesus over everything going on this day. And you stand there because all those darts that are coming against you, you're putting up this shield. You're putting up this shield of faith saying, I today will declare I have victory over the enemy today. And you do that every day over your marriage, over your relationship, over your business, over your home, and you begin to speak that and declare that every day you are holding that shield up you're walking around with it. And so the fiery darts of the enemy, you don't even have to see them coming. The more, I believe, the more we take that authority, it's like the bigger the shield becomes. And it's just like, you know, I don't even have to worry about, like, where the fiery darts are coming from. Because I got this big shield with me. And it's just knocking them down as they're coming. And what happens is, is yesterday, I didn't wake up and take authority over the enemy. I believe these lies, and my shield I was walking around with was like, you know, my, a Lego shield. It's like I had a Lego shield yesterday. You know, and if you have such a small shield, what do you have to do? You have to know exactly, you know, it's like a Marvel movie. Like, you know exactly, like, 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't do all day going in slow motion, avoiding the fiery darts of the enemy. But we have to, every single day, we have to build that up and take that authority that we have in Jesus' name. And verse 17 says, put on to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. So what is this helmet of salvation? I believe it's by guarding our thoughts. We have to recognize those thoughts that are coming at us that are not of him, and we have to guard them. It says in 2 Corinthians, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds, for casting down the arguments from the enemy, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We have to, on a regular basis, guard our thoughts, listen to our thoughts, and know before we get down on a trail, way down here, that, you know what, that's not truth. That's not from the Lord. That's not truth. And we begin to guard those thoughts. And you, I mean, some, you guys know you can hear yourself, right? All those thoughts that are coming, you begin to discern, say, all right, Lord, that's not of you. Lord, that's not of you. And you begin to practice that, and I believe we get better at it as we go. And then the sword of the Spirit, this for me, is engaging in warfare. This is engaging in warfare using the word of God. It says, we, it said in James, we read that before, it says, you must first submit to God, then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I believe that we begin to engage in a warfare using the word of God. What does that mean on a daily basis? It means put it up in your house. Write it on a piece of paper and stick it by the light switch. We have an incredible graphic artist person in our house who does this for us. And she makes these great scripture verses, and we put them up in a doorway before we enter the house, but as we're going out of the house, in the bathrooms, in the hallways, wherever. The word of God is the sword. It's how we do the battle. We need to see it. We need to read it. We need to speak it out loud. It's the, it's the power that we have on the offensive weapon that we have, the spirit of truth. And then verse 18 says this, and we usually stop because we think, well, we got the whole armor on now. Now, we have nothing else we have to do, but Paul goes one step further, and Ephesians says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And I believe here is not just declaring and using the believer's authority not just speaking the word of God, but taking all things to prayer and spending time with him in prayer in the spirit. And on January 1st, I'm going to link this to what we talked about on that Sunday with they will speak with new tongues. And what does that mean and what does that look like? And what does praying in the spirit really look like? But I believe this for us here is having a daily prayer time. Sid, if you want to come back up. So to me, this was how we actually put this armor on. And I know this is an analogy that Paul used, but hopefully this is, gives some practical insight of what this looks like. Because let me tell you, church, it's a time to act. 
We are in a time and a space to be doers of the word. We need to be doers of the word in our homes. I'm not talking about declaring it and preaching on the corner of, you know, 12th and state. If the Lord leads you to do that, talk to me first and then we can maybe, you know, get something going. But what I'm saying is this being a doer of the word means as much in our day-to-day actions. It means as much from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we treat our coworkers. All of that God instructs us being doers of the word. And so I think from these teachings regarding, you know, demons and how do we cast them out, I believe that we as a church are prepared to see these signs follow us wherever we go. I believe as we move into, well, we're in this Advent season as we get closer and closer to celebrating Jesus' birth, that my expectations are high. Pastor Andy and I talked about this. My expectations are high. I mentioned it this morning when we opened. For a move of God in our homes and in our families. Yeah, you may see a move of God in your workplace or wherever you're at, but I really believe that as we're seeking Jesus this Advent season, that there will be a move of God in your families like you've not seen before. A move of God of peace, of reconciliation, of forgiveness, of wholeness, of things that only he can do by his power in the name of Jesus. So bow your heads with me this morning. I want to read this one verse and then I'm going to make that declaration that we've been making each week. says, and the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then he, Jesus, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. So, Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for the authority that you have. And that you've defeated the grave. And so this morning we declare, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and your demonic forces may not come against this church, these families, these people. Satan, you are bound away from us. You are bound away from our families. And we are covered and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, kill, or destroy us or our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you, Satan, that you are defeated and we are victorious in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
Guys, as we close this morning, we've got some small group leaders that are going to be up here. They can pray with you. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Come up here, talk with them. They will lead you in a prayer. But more than that, they will just bring Jesus into your life because of how good Jesus is. And they will walk with you and show you what are the next steps that you need to take. Maybe you need prayer for healing. Maybe you need someone to lay hands on you to pray for healing. Just come up here. Don't rush out this morning. Just come up here and get prayer as they're here. And I want to read this benediction over you. Ephesians 3. And I just believe this is for our families this Advent season. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations for all of our family forever and ever. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.